We are continuing our series concerning the comfort doctrines. Last week, we started the thought of are we saved by works and identified the fact, but not by works alone are we saved uh, through faith and the grace of God that we have those things and that we are able to progress in our, our Christian walk and our walk with the Lord through those things. And we talked about the obedience and our salvation, understanding the balance between God's grace and our faith, and to need to know what God has commanded us to do. We talked about that grace being a gift from God, um, and the fact that grace doesn't cover everything. A lot of people uh, tend to uh, rely on grace to cover a whole lot of things that it's not going to cover. And there has to be a great understanding and a balance of that. Um, so we talked about uh, the grace could not be under or earned and, and those types of things. It was a gift from God. Also, uh, through that, he gave instructions concerning what needed to be done. We went back to the Old Testament, if you remember, and how the instructions they had of going through the, to the city of Jericho and uh, in other situations as well. And we looked in the passage that was read this morning in Ephesians chapter 2 and, and verses 7 through 10. We actually focused in chapter verse 9 and 10. Uh, the context of grace there says, Our salvation is not of works, lest anyone should boast. Um, and then we ask the question, does this mean that to be saved we do not do anything or is it dealing with specific types of works? And then we moved on to the talking about the different types of work. We identified four of those, if you will, uh, and there being the works of flesh, and that's where we're going to pick up this morning. And those four different things, the works of uh, the flesh, the works of the law, and the works of faith being those uh, areas or those three things actually uh, that we're going to look at this morning. The works that do not save. Obviously, the works of the flesh do not save. Examining the text that we have prior to this lesson this morning, dealing with grace, and works, these are clearly not what the author had in mind or has in mind. He's not saying and in the text that we have looked at thus far that you are saved by grace in place of lustful desires and sinful conduct. We most certainly know that that's not, not true. When you look at in the book of Romans in chapter 6 and verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And look in verse 2. It says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of our Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. It goes on talking about you being united and planted with him. 
and that our old man is crucified and the body of sin might be destroyed or done away with, if you will. And for he that is dead is freed from sin. So obviously, those types of works do not save. The works under consideration, I believe, in all of our study and what the Bible says, is concerning the works of the law and through faith uh, and through what our God has commanded us to do. Um, saved by grace, and, and again, is not those things that we rely on way too much as the world does today. But again, the works of law or works are contrasted with God's grace and our faith throughout many books in the Bible. The law of Moses, as you know, was done away with. The Old Testament law was done away with when Christ died upon that cross. It was nailed to the cross. We are now under God's law or we are under the New Testament law, if you will, in our disputation today. And Paul contrasts those things in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. Now when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the what? Work of the Lord. Now works are important. James tells us that in the book of James. He says uh, uh, faith, or works without, faith without works is dead. It says the body without the spirit is dead. So good works are most certainly part of us being faithful and uh, our salvation, doing what we should or for God and those things as we read just a moment ago in Ephesians chapter 2. Where he says there, if actually uh, verse 7 there begins the display of God's grace that in this ages to come and on the verses above you in chapter, or the same chapter in verse 4, you see the three aspects of grace. You see his mercy and then you see uh, the love and that's the second aspect of that. But the third there in Ephesians 2 is mentioned there in verse 7. That in the, or then in the ages to come, he might show or display the exceeding riches of what? His grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace, what? Are you saved, what? Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, or that any man should glory. For we are his workmanship, what? Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works, which God hath before ordained that we should what? Walk in them. So just for a moment, I want us to look and contrast those things and, and talk about are we saved by the works? Again, the works of the flesh, most certainly not. Works of the law, uh, when you see those mentioned throughout the New Testament, were mostly the law of Moses. And we've already talked about that being done away with. But you do see those works of faith. Again, the works of law cannot save us. We talk about Abraham and that patriarchal uh, time when he was under the law with works and could not take away sin. We know that. 
And he was not perfect. We know that as well. Abraham did sin. If you remember, he lied about his wife and uh, being Sarah, uh, his wife there, uh, as far as his sister and helping God, fathering Isaac. He went into his handmaid. Those things, he did sin. But number one, I want you to think about is that he trusted God to take care of him. It was his faith that justified him in God's eyes, Romans 4 and verse 3. But even though his works did not earn him favor with God, his disobedience, or his obedience rather, through faith did achieve it. When we go to James chapter 2, verses 18 and 24, it gives us a discourse concerning those things and describes this obedient faith. The point, it was his attitude that led to obedience and not some sense of entitlement. And that's the difference. So what about works of faith? They are necessary for obedience. It means, now listen to this closely, it means that we do what God tells us to do. And one says, well, I don't always agree with what God has told me to do. Well, we've got more problems than what we can discuss at the time we have together today, when you feel that way. But it means what God tells us to do, to have that works of faith that is necessary for obedience. But he tells us to do it because he, why do we do it? Because he tells us to do it. He makes us promises based upon our compliance with what? His conditions. He offers us a gift if we will do what he asks us to do. Just like as we looked last week at the city of Jericho, they had specific instructions to march around that city and to do things a certain way. Now I believe again in what the Bible tells me that if he, they had not done anything the way that God had told them to do it, they would not have been successful. And that same principle holds true today. When we do things contrary to what God has told us to do, whether it be with our worship service or whether it be in the area of salvation, we're, we're lost. Because it is all hinged upon the commandments of God and the faith that we have in Him. We must be compliant he offers us that gift if we will do what he asks us to do he will save us now you think about what you must do to meet these conditions what must you do now you go as we read just a moment ago <clears throat> that we should uh, not boast of things in our in our faith and our works but we must meet those conditions. When you go to the book of Romans in chapter 6, in verse 17, the Bible says to us there, it says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine or teaching which was delivered to you or delivered you. Now, he goes on in verse 18, he says, Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of what? Righteousness. 
You must meet those conditions. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9, it says that our Lord was the author of eternal salvation unto what? All who obey Him. You see, this morning, if you are not a Christian, you must obey the gospel. You must obey it. To be able to receive that gift, that grace of God, to be able to receive and develop that faith, and to have salvation, and to have a hope of heaven, one must become a Christian. One must meet those conditions. You must hear the word. You've heard the word preached. What are you waiting on? You've heard sermon after sermon after sermon concerning what salvation is and that it's a necessity to go to heaven. You know the value of it. You know that one must be saved, must come in contact with the blood of Christ. What are we waiting on? You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, you've got to meet those conditions. You must repent of those sins. I've sinned in my life. I'm a sinner. I need the blood of Christ to wash my sins away. Confess his name and be baptized for the remission of your sins. But this morning, if you're a Christian, you sin. You need to repent. Acts 8 and 22, confess your sins before God. 1 John 1 and 9, he is just to forgive us. The ultimate point this morning is that man cannot trust in himself for salvation. It is about trusting in Jesus and knowing he is your only hope of salvation. We as Christians and we as people of the world sometimes, we are so conditioned to the ways of the world that we want to find loopholes. I fault our lawyers for that. You take a lawyer and you get him in the courtroom, he'll look at the law and he'll take and twist and twist and twist and twist and he'll find a loophole. And whether you're guilty or not, and you're truly guilty a lot of times, they'll take and they'll, they'll find a loophole and get you out of it. You see, there's no loopholes in the gospel. And we need to quit looking for them and we need to quit finding ways to try to get around what God has said when it comes to grace, when it comes to faith, when it comes to works, and when it comes to complete obedience and salvation. We need to quit looking for the easy way out and start looking and seeing what God has said and what He says this is what we need to do. Because He tells us that His Son is what? The author of what? Eternal salvation. And only through Him is no other man saved under, under this, in this world. Under no other name is there salvation. So again, if you trust in God, if you trust in God, you will Obey Him. Did you hear that? If you truly trust in God, you'll obey Him. 
In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, a very familiar passage to you. The like figure unto wherein to baptism doth now save us, not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer, what? Of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, we cannot separate the two. We have to do what he says. We need to understand that when James wrote in James chapter 2, in verses 14 through 26, he says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? There's a lot of people in the world today to claim to have faith. Probably every person in this room this morning, if was asked individually, say, well, I've got faith. But notice what the scripture says. What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he has faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warned and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needed to the body, what doth it profit? What have you done? Even so faith, verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is what? Dead. Being alone or in itself. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble or shudder. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without or apart from, as one verse says, apart or without works is dead or barren. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou hath faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Now notice what it finishes up here, 23 through 26. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise, now notice, this goes into our Wednesday night study, likewise was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? Now here it is, watch it in verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You see, one says, it takes faith, it takes obedience, it takes works. Not boasting in those works, Ephesians 2 and verse 9, there's no room for boasting. You see, a lot of people think along the lines of baptism. We need to understand that baptism, as we read just a moment ago in 1 Peter, it does save us through the blood of Christ. It's not getting wet that saves you, but it's the answer of a good conscience toward God. But 
Even after you have obeyed, there is still no place for boasting. Romans 3 and 27 says, where is boasting then? I can tell you it's excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Luke 17 and 10, so likewise you, when you have done all those things which you're commanded, say, we are what? Unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. You see, a lot of people want to glorify on their good works. What a good person I am. What a good neighbor I am. You see, that don't, that don't, just, that don't get us to heaven. It's part of it. When you read Luke 17 and verse 10, if you notice there, when it says, when you have done what? All things which you are what? commanded he says then consider yourself an unprofitable servant when you've done it all you can do no more you can say you consider yourself unprofitable I'm undeserving you see friends that's the difference between works of law and works of faith One's about entitlement and the other's about obedience. One is about whether uh, others, uh, whether the other's about uh, God, it's about your attitude, it's about the understanding of where you stand before God and understanding obedience. One says, well, what is obedience? It can apply with or follow the commands of God. The restrictions, if you will, we see examples of obedience in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. What does it say? Children what? Obey your parents. In the Lord for this is right. When you've done what your parents have told you to do, you've been obedient. Romans 13 and 1 and verse 5. Both verses there use the term as a subject, obey the law. Now notice how in examples here such as these, you don't earn something. You don't earn heaven by your works. You don't earn something in the same way you earn wages for a job that you do. You obey because it's the right thing to do. You see, when one obeys and he ties it in with those works and his faith and all those things, there are rewards. There's protections. There's freedoms and trust. But when you disobey, there are consequences. And obeying God is based upon one's belief and trust in Him and His Word and doing what He has commanded us to do. It's in an attitude that does what He says because He said to do it that he demands obedience to be justified. And when we've done all those things, it's still God's grace that does save us. The obedience is about him. 
and not you. When we disobey, we can expect consequences. So what does God command of us? Is it works of law, works of faith? Is it, what, what is it? It's a combination of all those things, isn't it? Simply stated this morning, he demands a faith that will obey him. That's what it boils down to. That will do what God has said to do and the way he has said to do it. Does it involve works? Absolutely. Are they meritorious works? Absolutely not. He demands that we reverence him. Hebrews 12 and 28. Serve him with what? Reverence and godly fear. He demands that we seek him first. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Luke 14 and 33. So likewise, whoever you... Uh, does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. If you haven't given it all up for the Lord, you can't be his disciple. He demands totally for us to put him first, to forsake all others, to forsake all, everything else, and put him first. And that includes our own selfish desires. I'm going to tell you, we've fallen in the world, love of the world way too much. We see it in every congregation of God's people. We preachers talk on a regular basis. And across the brotherhood, we see people week after week after week after week who love the world way more than they love God and the church. He demands that we be holy. 1 Peter chapter 1. Gird up your loins in verse 13 through 16. Be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be obedient children, he says. Not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. You see, before you became a Christian, you were ignorant. You didn't understand. But when you become a Christian, you should have been taught and understood that there's a change and you now know what God wants you to do. He finishes that verse up. Be holy in all your conduct because it's written, Be holy for I am holy. He demands that we purify ourselves. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3. And everyone who has the hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, salvation by works is a doctrine of false comfort. The title of our, our series. Because it diminishes our dependence on God for salvation. It becomes more about us and less about him. We must never reason in our minds that we have done enough and that we can retire from serving him and that there is no work we do that earns salvation, but we must obey him by faith 
First, we ought to find true comfort as we're doing what we know He wants us to do. Knowing that it pleases God when we do what He asks us to do. But also under the new law, we know that we can be forgiven. Under the old law, they couldn't. Not until this Christ had come. We know that we can be forgiven. We've discussed how to take care of that time after time after time again. But if we refuse to obey him, we ought to be afflicted. And we ought to be uncomfortable. You see, the problem of salvation by works is that it leads to a sense of entitlement. I don't believe that God is in heaven waiting for us to stumble so that he can exclude us from heaven. But I do want us to realize that sin, no matter how small, is never acceptable. We cannot seek to justify any sin. If there's any particular type of sin you think God will overlook, you've got a way bigger problem than that sin, and you need to repent of that attitude. You see, that's why John was speaking when he said, we cannot sin in 1 John 3 and 9. But when we do sin, we can take care of it. We have an advocate with the Father, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. Will we? Will we take advantage of that? Are we depending on being a good person and all the works that we do, the good deeds we do? Are we depending on that way too much? But preacher, I'm a good person and good people go to heaven. You're right. Good people go to heaven. But good saved people go to heaven. Not just good people. People who have been obedient and faithful. As I told the class this morning, in the end of this world, God wins. God wins. He wins. And his people. But if we're not his people and we've fallen away from those things that he's taught us to do, we don't win in the end unless it's repented of. This morning, maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to be baptized for mission of your sins. We encourage you to do that. Don't depend on just being a good person and good works. That's only part of it. Faith has to come in there. Baptism for the remission of sins, the blood of Christ, good works, a combination of all those things. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.